When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Alice Inside Cricket. The England winter is finally over with that excellent 3-0 win in the T20 series in the Caribbean, a sort of bookend of the series in a way with the success they had in Sri Lanka at the start of it and finishing with a triumph at the end. And uh, it's close now to the beginning of the English season. Simon Mann's not back yet from gallivanting around the Caribbean, so I've got a special guest today, Mark Ramprakash, who has come back from the Caribbean after the Test Series. Um, Ramps, we're here at the Oval, the Keir Oval, where, of course, you scored about 7,200s. Do you look out there, the, uh, the greenhouse is out on the middle there, where the players have been practising, the kind of... Uh, covered tent where they practice in March is the, is the juices flowing for scoring a few runs out on your favourite bit of pasture always yes um, and the Oval is a special place for me no question about it I first came here with my dad in, I think in 1984 we watched a, a Western uh, England v West Indies test match uh, and then I was lucky enough to play a practice game here with Middlesex in 1987 um, where I faced a little bit of Sylvester Clark and <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was a good experience. So, um, but it's um, it's a it's always a, a good pitch here. Uh, you know, you can look yeah. out. You look. That's out why you the, came here, isn't well, it? Well, it's, it's you know, it looks white, doesn't it? You know, from the uh, from the pavilion edge uh, or the boundary edge, and um, and that normally means it's quite dry and uh, therefore batsman friendly. So. You know that uh, Surrey have produced more hundred hundred makers than mm. any other county. Of course, you're one mm. of them. Mm. But uh, more people who've got the hundred hundreds here, including. John Edrich, of course, before mm. you. Andy Sandham. I'm trying to reel them off now. Mm. Jack Hobbs. You're part of an elite group here. And the first one was Tom Hayward in about 1920. Uh, so it's a phenomenal record that the Surrey batsmen have got. But I, I suppose it has partly to do with the great pitch. But you have got to get the runs as well. Yes, of course. I mean, look, I think that the thing about the pitch uh, is that normally it would have um, consistent bounce, probably one of the best pitches in England for consistent bounce uh, which is very important for any batsman um, to know whether to go forward or back and trust the bounce um, I mentioned about it looking white from the pavilion normally there's not necessarily a lot of sideways movement I think you have to be 
a very, very good bowler to get wickets at the Oval. Well, thank you very much, because <laughs> my career best was here. Would you believe? You feel, that's a beautiful little lead-in. Thank you very oh, much. That's a nice half-volley for you. It's a half-volley. <laughs> Seven for 35, yeah. I got against Surrey. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think it did. And it was actually a, a very poor... Surrey team and I think six of the seven were sort of numbers six to eleven but you know I'm quite, I'm quite proud <laughs> of it actually all quite caught right second too. slip John Embry brilliant so Fantastic. quite yeah. proud of that yeah. I think partly because the oval at least the ball carries mm. so a short arse like me you know can actually get <laughs> the ball to, to bounce a bit so well I mean it's a great place to be of course the, 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 cha- the county championship will be defended from here mm. in only about two or three weeks' time. And it's Essex who are the visitors of Surrey mm. uh, to kind of almost uh, carry on that encounter at the end of last summer, which was a fantastic match, which Essex obviously won in the end by one wicket. Uh, for you, things are changing, are they, a bit? Because you've been told you're not going to be involved in the Ashes as the England batting coach. So, firstly, I mean, what, uh, what are you proudest of that you've achieved so far as a coach? Um, well, I think t- to be in uh, a role like that, a specialist role, um, for that period of time, which I think is over five years, you know, I think that you have to work hard at trying to build good relationships, you know, with the players that come into the side, and you know that's really important. Um, the players have, I think, got to feel that you're in their corner, that you uh, um, you work hard to have a sort of a trusting relationship, an open and honest relationship that. Um, you can get on well socially, and therefore that may aid um, communication between the two. Um, and you know, I think it's it's not more it's not sort of a coach to player relationship. It's just more you know uh, on an equal footing. Um, and and so I'd like to think that over that period of time, you know, I've worked hard to to try and support players, nurture them, encourage them, but now and again challenge them. Uh, to improve uh, and get better with their games. So I don't, I don't know that there's any... I can't really give you any hard and fast stats or anything like that, but I think that um, I'm, I'm proud in the way that I've tried to accelerate people's learning um, and help them cope with the pressures and the demands of international cricket. It must be very hard being a batsman in the modern era because, I mean, not only because there's this stat that bowlers are taking their wickets at the lowest rate since 1959. In 2018, bowlers were taking their wickets at 27 in Test cricket, and that hasn't been as low since the 1950s. So there's that aspect. But also, because of the number of different formats that batsmen play now as well, it must be quite hard being a modern batsman. Would you, would you see it like that? Would you, would you like to have been a batsman in this era or would you, are you happier that you were a batsman when you played? Mm. Uh, look, I've got every sympathy for the modern-day player um, that's trying to make a success at the top of the order in Test Match cricket. I think that I can go as far back as Sam Robson, uh, Adam Lythe. I mean, I watched Sam Robson get an excellent 100 at Headingley uh, and Adam Lythe got one there as well. In a Test Match. A, a very yeah. good uh, Test Match 100 um, against New Zealand um, but these players were having to play five tests in a row with no county game in between and um, as you say for the last three years I think that uh, the ball has moved prodigiously and that's the data if you like would show that the ball has moved around appreciably uh, and Alistair Cook uh, has, has openly admitted that you know it's, it's been incredibly difficult of course um, play, uh, bowlers have improved bowling around the wicket to left-handers, which is which is something significant as well. 
Um, you mentioned about the different formats. Yes, uh, there's no question. I mean, uh, our scheduling uh, has uh, been really thrust white ball cricket to the fore, and we're playing that in the best weather of the summer. Um, and, you know, four championship games in April, four in September, you know, it's pretty obvious where the priorities lie for ECB. And I think the players have felt that. I think if you're a, a traditional orthodox player, uh, you're playing your championship cricket um, at difficult times of the year. And it may be that you don't make your one-day team uh, for, mm. your, for your county, like Sam Robson, who, um, you know, so therefore your cricket becomes sporadic when hopefully the sun's out, which is June, July, August. So um, I've got a lot of sympathy for the players who are trying to make it at the top of the order in test cricket. Um, I mean, for example, we go on tour. Um, a, a lot of the one-day... If you take this winter, for example, a lot of the one-day side... The one-day one day matches were played at the start yeah, of the tour in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka and, and Trevor Bayliss was, uh, you know, commented on, on how helpful that was in terms of the test series because there is a lot of core players in that one-day team that were also played in the test matches and so they were kind of up and running and had a plenty of nets and practice and, and one or two games before the test series started. Now if you're only playing test matches you come across and you might get what I mean two two day games um, which are not first class um, you might get a couple of knocks and then you're into three test matches back to back. With no time to practice in between yeah, yeah. so someone like Keaton Jennings he had a, a knock and a half before yeah. that test series in the West Indies against some pretty good bowlers. Yeah, uh, well, it's a testing surface. Um, we played yeah. three Ws. It was a bit tacky in the morning with the new ball, and it was tough. And um, and so you know, this is this people have got to realise. I mean, I think we're talking about a subject where there are, are several elements that come together that make top order batting in Test cricket very very difficult in this modern era. And I think this, you know, the preparation and lack of match cricket for each tour is, is certainly one element, a lack of matches in between the test matches. And once you, if you don't come in and straight away find your feet, uh, if, if you come in and the opposition new ball bowlers get on top of you, dismiss you early, it's very, very difficult to, to fight back um, because you're talking about confidence and belief at a higher level where you haven't really played much. So where, where do you draw your confidence from? And then once you get it, you know, if you have a couple of low scores, it'd be very, very difficult to turn the tide uh, in that way. And I mean, if someone like Keaton James, you've got to, let's forget, you know, let's remember, he got 100 on test debut, didn't he, at, uh, at Mumbai, and a wonderful 100 it was. Um, but he's found the going, you know, difficult in bowler-friendly conditions. Mind you, I mean, it wasn't, you know, if you look at the last summer, the Indians came over with some very well-recognised... Um, test run scorers and they really struggled as well um, so look it's not just English players it's, uh, I think it's a bit of a global issue um, that there's so much prominence and importance given to the white ball cricket of course the white ball does not swing it does not seem and often the pitches are flat and the ball doesn't spin so you see it and smack it and it's a very popular saying at the moment, oh, I keep it simple, I see it, hit it. <laughs> OK, well, you can do that with a ball that doesn't move. <laughs> but um, I think a little bit more... Um, uh, test cricket is a little bit more challenging, and so therefore, um, you know, the hours that you have to put in um, sort of uh, practising your basics against perhaps swing, pace and spin, you know, it's a demanding game. Yes, it, it looks it, certainly. I mean, I... 
the last couple of years, the amount the ball has moved in England in Test cricket has blown my mind. I mean, I just think it's virtually impossible with the new ball to, to deal with it. And I know Alistair Cook has, has said that. Um, what about practice? How has practice changed, say, for a Test match compared to when you played? Has it changed much? Is it more intense? Is it less intense? Is there different philosophies? Well, I think uh, that uh, our practice, um, it has to, you have to really incorporate the player's view on how they want to prepare. I mean, after all, the player's been picked for their country. It's their career. I certainly am not prescriptive in how they should practice. I would certainly ask a few questions if they were only having a few full bungers to prepare for Mornay Morkel and... Uh, or Jasper Boom or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, look, I think... Uh, you know, currently in the England team, you know, if we had two days practice out, you know, that we, the players would say, well, look, okay, the coaches can sort of choose two days out, you know, if it's challenging practice, so we might use, you know, cut down bats um, on a spinning surface to challenge the players or, uh, you know, set up some scenario. Um, so that's hopefully improving skills. Mm. Um, the day before the match is perhaps more the players choosing of, of how they want to practice if they want to face bowlers or if they just want a few throws out of the hand or you know a few spinners you know whatever that is um, then that's more the player's responsibility um, I, I, my, my own feeling is is that um, when you come into test cricket um, you, you're not no one's the finished article just because you've been picked it doesn't mean that that's it you've cracked it and um, whilst you're preparing um, for um, the opposition that you're going to play against, um, you, the training at some point, at some point it has to be harder and more challenging than what you might face in the game. Now the player needs to have a certain mindset for that. They need to be open-minded, have a growth mindset and say to themselves, look, okay, I might really struggle in this particular session for the next half an hour, but um, I'm not going to let that affect my confidence and I know that when I go in the game, it won't be as tough as this. So whether it's facing very quick pace um, with some softer balls or uh, with the ball spinning a lot and then using a half bat, um, I think that when you come into test cricket, if you train in that manner, um, then you are uh, in a good place to go and face the best bowlers in the world. Could you pick out one player who you think does really challenge himself in practice all the time? Yeah, without doubt. I mean, Joe Root is the obvious one who comes to mind. He, I mean, you mentioned about um, when I was on tour with England, and you know, I mean, we used to sort of uh, do the net schedule, and you'd hope to face some England bowlers. But if you didn't, you might face the odd net bowler and then have a few throws. But you know, now the lads, the, 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 you know, they've got these side arms, you know, that uh, mm. which you've got, you've cut down one, haven't you? Yeah, made it a bit shorter. Down. Well, that's really yeah, we like to put variety some of them bounce more and others are a bit flatter in trajectory but maybe you're a bit you know a bit, yeah come a bit, on you need the, a shorter one come on to the drive of the bat a little bit like hate <laughs> yourself yeah. but um no Listen, no i, I made you into the batsman <laughs> i gave you the ability to drive the ball by bowling half volleys in the nets all the time swinging half volleys. yeah right. I, I, I honed your technique you realize <laughs> I, I reckon i should own about no. 10 of your hundreds anyway sorry well, carry on they were good so, the, so the dog stick you're, you're, you were talking about Joe Root there, so well, yes, he is I'm, someone who really likes to be challenged by all sorts of different varieties. Well, uh, well yeah, I mean, the, the modern day player is lucky in that, that they've got so much volume mm. um, 
you know, and, and so that's a, a huge difference. They, they've got the option to hit a lot of balls, and Joe certainly does. Of course, that on its own is not going to improve someone. You've got to have a bit more purpose. You've got to know what you're working on, and Joe is his... I think Joe's his best own coach, if you like. He's, he's quite... Well, he's very self-aware about his mechanics and his technique and what he wants to work on. So um, will he choose on some, in a particular thing, on a particular day, this is what I want to work on this today... Uh, yes, he, he will have a discussion with me, and um, uh, you know we, we will we will talk about this and that. We might reflect on the previous game. Um, you know, in Sri Lanka, he was very keen on being very aggressive um, to the spinners, um, and so you know, as a coach, you've got to go with that. If that's the player's gut feeling, you've got to go with that. But at the same time, in Test cricket, as we know, you have to have a decent defence. Otherwise, you know, it's very hard to make a career. Um, the best players in the world, Joe Root, Eric Coley, Kane Williamson, all are classy players that can adapt. They've got good defence, they trust their defence, but they've also got good attacking shots. Joe is very technically aware. I think, um, you know, so that it, from, from that standpoint, it might be that when we prepare against the West Indies, we might, say, throw some balls from wider the crease, a bit like to replicate Roach's angle. Might come closer to try and get a steeper bounce, a bit like a, a, a Jason Holder. Uh, or if it's Mitchell Stark, I might be around the wicket trying to get the ball swinging to him. So we're trying to replicate the challenges that the opposition will present. Um, and they're going to miss that, actually, aren't they? Because you are probably, along with Gooch, and, and I guess there are one or two others as well, but you're very good at your adaptability with the dog stick to you can even bowl sort of back of the hand slower balls and swing it both ways and all that is quite valuable, especially when you're not going to get that many chances to face your own bowlers, presumably in practice. So you being able to replicate those bowlers is pretty valuable. Well, I'd like to think so. I mean, I do believe in a variety in your practice. You know, I think that there has to be time where you enjoy hitting the ball out the middle of the bat, you know, and that might be some throws out the hand. It might be some short and wides where you're practising your cut shot. Um, you know, you, you also can build confidence in that way, of course. So you've got your challenging practice, perhaps. You've got your, you know, a few ball, you're facing a few bowlers, and then you've got you know, maybe some throwdowns and or, or some some balls on the bowling machine where you're enjoying you know executing some attacking shots and so you've got that variety and and hopefully um, you know that's putting the players in a good place um, to tick a lot of boxes and when they walk out over the white line that they feel prepared. You're listening to the Analyst Inside Cricket podcast with me Simon Hughes and Mark Ramprakash. Any regrets uh, that, that you, you know, something that you wanted to achieve which you hadn't in, in your coaching role um, so far, anyway? Well, I mean, I, um, I, I mean I'm, I, I've mentioned about you know, trying to build good relationships, good, strong relationships. Um, uh, I feel like I've done my best with that. Um, I think, you know, obviously, I, I'm a coach, I don't select the team. Um, so you try your best to work with the players that, that come into the side and settle them down and make them feel relaxed and take the pressure off um, the fact that they're playing for their country and it's a, a huge moment in their careers. Um, so, you know, you try your best to, to help the, the players with all of those challenges. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, in, in an ideal world, I would have wanted personally to have um, had... A little bit more stability in the batting lineup, um, 
But as we've spoken about, there's a number of reasons why England's uh, haven't had that stability at the top order. And, you know, as I say, I mean, English, England's greatest ever run scorer, Alistair Cook, has found the last few years really, really challenging, and yet he's got all those international runs behind him. Um, you know, there's a reason why I think you see England have a number of all-rounders in their lineup um, <clears throat> that are playing both one-day cricket and test cricket. Um, it's almost like they get a bit of, uh, you know, two bites of the cherry. I mean, someone like Bairstow and Stokes and Moynelli, you know, they're very well, they're, well, they're world-class all-rounders, aren't they? But if they are struggling a little bit with the bat, then, you know, it takes the pressure off, if you like, to be able to rock up and get three for... Uh, or key wicket or whatever. Or, or, or take a few catches. So yeah. to have all your eggs in one basket and be a top-order player for England uh, is really challenging. And actually, also, the, the advantage of those players is because they play both formats... You know, you're getting that sort of preparation, like in the Sri Lanka series, for instance. Mm, they mm. got the one-day cricket mm. first, mm. so they're in, they're acclimatised. Then they can play the tests. Yeah. Whereas if you just come in for the tests, it's much tougher. Absolutely, it's which you've had to do yourself, actually, as coach, yeah. of course. It's it's dis, it's just it's disjointed for those players. Mm. Um, the two tests that were tagged on at the end of the New Zealand series, you know, players had had a break for five six weeks, and then they flew back out. Um, they'd been in Australia for the Ashes, they flew home, and then they, a few weeks later they flew out to uh, New Zealand. Um, you know, it's a bit disjointed, and mm. it's not necessarily easy to get straight into rhythm. Um, and in New Zealand, you know, we had up against some very good new bowlers in Bolt and, and Southie who swung the ball and bowled extremely well. So, you know, of course England, you know, people will talk a lot about England's batting collapses. I mean, if, if you know, when we're, when we're playing well, of course we're forthright and aggressive and and players are playing well, and it's great to watch. But um, how do we how do we become more consistent? Well, essentially, you need more top class players with good techniques um, who are prepared to adapt to conditions, and that they that they are batsmen, and that they're interested in the art of batting. So we've seen Pujara do it in Australia. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of it actually. Right, impressive. Um, yeah, uh, very impressive. And, and he doesn't care about one-day cricket. He's not interested. You mm, see, mm. he says, "I'm happy playing tests," mm. but you're not going to get too many people doing that because no. of the partly because of the rewards of playing one-day cricket. Absolutely. I mean, you only have to look in county cricket at the moment, and uh, if you took a you know, poll of uh, you know the modern-day players, you know, of, I mean, test cricket is still very important, but in terms of putting in the hours of the art of playing against the moving ball, um, well. I think the evidence is there that there are less players interested in sort of doing those hard yards. You're going to miss, I would imagine, a few things, but I would imagine one of the things you're going to miss, certainly temporarily, is being midfield general <laughs> on those pre, pre-match football games. <laughs> you kind of ghost around like a sort of Franz Beckenbauer kind of <laughs> character. You're very kind, uh, Simon. I suppose you're going, to, you're going to equate your performances to some Arsenal star now. Well, possibly a little bit of Patrick Vieira in there now and again. No, he was a bit of a thug. You're too nice. I know you have a dark side, by the way, but you know it doesn't come out on the football field very often. I, look, I, I enjoyed that. I mean, of course, you know, being part of the... Uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge privilege to be part of the England set-up for five years. Um, the, the players, the staff. I mean, you know, wonderful experiences touring the world, and I've been very, very lucky. And you know, um, look, I, I'm sure that uh, you know this is a huge summer, and I, you know, I, I wish everybody really the best of luck. And what, and what next for you, actually? Any, any plans at the moment? 
Um, well, I'm open-minded, Simon, so, you know, any suggestions are welcome. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I would suggest you get out there and, and have a net, because it looks very inviting. It's a beautiful yes. afternoon at the Keir Oval. Uh, there's that tent there ready for you, pitch. I could even give you a few throwdowns, maybe. I don't think that would be much of a challenge, though. Anyway, it's been great having you. Good luck with everything. Well done. You should re- really be proud of everything you've achieved, because, actually, it's fantastic to be, going, be able to go from being a top-class batsman to being a top-class coach. So, you know, I'm sure this is only the end of the beginning rather than the beginning of the end. So good luck to you. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. And Simon Mann will be back from his gallivanting around the Caribbean next week. Podcast Network.